Welcome back to a bonus episode of the Grace Church Members Podcast. I'm Chris Rivers. I'll be your host today. In this interview, we have a full house today. A lot of people in the room. Scott Pazingo, how you doing? Hey, Chris. Good thing we have a big table. It's a good thing we have a very big table. So we've got the outreach team here. We've got Derek Nelson and Jennifer Comer. It's great to see you guys today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Very nice to be with you. Well, why don't you guys just jump in? We'd love to hear a little bit about your role here and a little scope of what you guys do. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes. And my family has been a part of the Grace family for about five years now after we moved from North Carolina. And we, ha- I have been excited and privileged to be a part of the outreach team and efforts for about three of those years. Mm-hmm. And a large part of what I get to do is helping members connect and get on to international mission teams. So if anybody applies, I see their name and their application come across Mm. my computer screen and help get them connected. I love briefing and helping to prepare teams to go and supporting them throughout the time. A lot of what I do is logistically with travel and supporting the team leader in preparing his team to go. That's great. Thanks, Jen. My role is the outreach director, and so just try and help out and lead our efforts uh, in outreach, whether it's international or foster and adopt, just all of those things kind of roll up into to my bucket. Mm-hmm. So outreach is a big part of our story, how we came here to Grace, and excited to be here and share a little bit more about it today. Hey, and why don't you give us the 60-second version of that, just for someone that doesn't know you that well. Tell us a little bit about what you did, your family did, right before you yeah. came on staff. So our family's been at Grace uh, since around 2009. We came to the Powdersville campus just a few weeks after it launched, and we're there a number of years. And as members of the church, our lives just slowly changed to where we got to a place where we transitioned overseas. We moved to Cape Verde, West Africa, for about four and a half years. We were there all the way up until covid planning churches, leading a gap year program, and then this pandemic thing came through. Maybe you heard about it. It was in the (laughs) news a little bit and uh, brought us back. And while we were trying to figure out what's next and having our third child, Bill called and said, hey, we need some help in outreach. You want to come and do this? And uh, we made the difficult decision to just pull the ripcord on our mm. dreams and uh, moved back here with about four suitcases. Wow. Um, and so we did that. And uh, I mean, just if we can't be overseas making disciples, it's great to be here at the local church that had such an impact in our lives, kind of really just doing the same thing. Wow. Yeah. And uh, speaking of COVID, so three years, it's hard to believe, but it's been three years, really did a number on international travel Everybody's aware of that, but also international missions very much impacted. This feels like the first time that we're back to a full slate of traveling, of trips, of participants. And what we wanted to do is just kind of jump in midsummer and give you an update on some of our major partnerships, international partners. We have four that we're talking about today. A lot of folks, a lot of coming and going this summer. You probably know someone who's been on one of these trips. They've asked you to pray for them. They've asked you to financially support them. And we just wanted to let you know a little bit about what was going on in each of these locations. So that's our goal for today. Um, Derek, Puerto Rico is one of our newer partners, I guess, maybe in the last five or six years. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in Puerto Rico. Yeah, the, this partnership really came about after Hurricane Maria. We had so many people reach out to the church to say, how can we help? And there's always people raising money to try and give to organizations. And 
Like our thought is how can we put uh, boots to the ground to try and go and help out? And so we came across an organization called Hunger Corps, led by Stephen Felicino. And uh, really what it is, it's still helping people rebuild four or five years later post-Hurricane Maria. And so the building process is a lot different than here. So imagine a hurricane comes through and it's knocked down a wall, a roof for your entire home. Typically what happens is FEMA comes in, they dump in millions of dollars, and then you go stand in line to try and get that kind of relief to, mm-hmm. to build your home back. Well, in Puerto Rico, you typically, if you're not in the city, you don't own your home. You built it, you built it brick by brick, paycheck by paycheck, saving, putting aside a little bit of money, and on the weekend, you're doing some construction. But you, you picked this spot because no one else lived there. Mm. So you don't own the land, you don't own the house. So those are the individuals after natural disasters all around the world that get left out. So Hunger Corps kind of focuses on how do we help those, those that are still marginalized post-disaster. So they've picked a neighborhood called La Hormiga, which is Spanish, I think, for the Hormiga. That's about as far as my Spanish (laughs) goes. Um, It's right outside of Dorado. Dorado would be, um, I mean, if you were to drive through it, it would look just like Greenville. There's a Dairy Queen. There's a P.F. Chang's. It's where all the new money in Puerto Rico is. And then just like five minutes outside the city, there are people that still don't have a roof on their house. So they just adopted the street of about 45 homes where they're going house by house, figuring out how to help each family holistically. A piece of that is housing, um, but then they're not stopping there. They're trying to do men's roundtable and is there and get them involved in the local church so that while we're trying to help them with a the home, we're really reaching them like in all aspects of their life. Uh, that's awesome. And why particularly do these trips to Puerto Rico, how do they help us make disciples? Yeah, I think um, when you think about trips, it's real easy to think, well, we're trying to create an experience for our people. And, and I don't think that that's quite accurate. Like really what we're hoping to do is to get someone to take a small step of obedience. And then when you do that, that exposes you to some different things that create an experience. It's focused on how do I maybe use the skill or the, the availability or whatever the season of my life is how do I take a step in that and maybe go serve overseas? So for Puerto Rico, man, if you can swing a hammer, if you can hold a broom, if you can hold a paintbrush, if you can really just, I mean, be there to encourage someone, just be up and moving and active, you can go down there and serve in a significant way. And so it, it mobilizes a, a group of people that maybe aren't comfortable going to Kenya that's an eight-hour plane ride, or they don't want to get a passport, or worried about the, the list of immunizations that could possibly go with, with going to Africa or South America. This is just an easy on-ramp or off-ramp for people for our church to go and, and serve in a really meaningful, significant way. And trips are a little bit shorter, correct? Mm-hmm. And a little less costly. That's right. That's right. What's so, a typical, give us an example of that. Yeah, right at $1,500 includes your airfare, your lodging, your food, all of that while you're there. And five-day trips, six-day trips? Yeah, five-day trip. Sometimes it'll go into six, just depending on the travel in and out of Charlotte. But um, super easy on-ramp, but significant in the impact that it can have. And how many of these are we trying to do throughout the year? Yeah, three to four is what kind of what we're doing. Every quarter we're headed down there. Sometimes it's something that's open to our entire church. 
just last month, we had one where it was just for our Spartanburg campus yeah. so that just this campus can go and have an opportunity to build relationship, that the pastor can, can gain credibility with leaders. Just You can go further, faster with people when you're doing something beside each other than you can uh, just interacting on a Sunday morning. Mm, that's great. That's great. So when we think about partnerships, really, that's going to be a common denominator in all of these key strategic international locations that we've chosen over the over the years. Jen, tell us a little bit about our partnerships down in Nicaragua. One of the most unique things about the partnership in Nicaragua is this summer uh, we will celebrate 20 years of serving alongside Christ for the City International. And um, CFCI is an organization that is committed to building up the local church and supporting a community. In Nicaragua, I would say that a lot of the country has been impacted by anything from natural disasters to the state of the government Mm. and economy. And um, they're also a country covered in volcanoes and mountains. And so they just have a lot of challenges for life there. And... It's probably one of the larger countries in Central America, but one of the most challenging economically. Yeah. So there's a lot that we can do to come alongside and support Nicaraguans and the leaders of CFCI who are working with pastors and churches in the country. Over the 20 years, I would say we've probably sent more than 500 members from Grace to participate in mission trips that would be focused on offering medical clinics. So a lot of medical professionals have gone on our mission teams. And then laymen and women also go along to help support those medical clinics, but they also are able to offer a ministry to children during the week while the clinic is going on. Then Tom Fowler also is a part of planning pastoral training throughout the year for pastors and women who are involved in leadership in their churches. And um, Doris Bickle has been really involved with some other women from Grace in providing as their training yeah, for Ken, women in the churches. Do Ken and Doris, do they still live in the upstate or do they live in Nicaragua now? <laughs> I mean, every they're, they're there all the time. They are. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing. Yeah, they are. They have more energy than I do, yeah, apparently. <laughs> It is incredible. Listeners, if you don't yeah. know Ken and Doris Bickle from our downtown campus, you really should get to know them. Shout out to them. And yeah. they, I mean, literally, they probably have, ta- have taken 15, 16 different trips, I think. They do. And as they go down, they're able to work with men and women in the country that are a part of church leadership and helping to train and develop them in a place where they really don't have as many resources or training as we do here. And then also... Uh, they take some others with them. Right. And so it's a great discipleship opportunity and kind of they're looking to replace themselves, not continue mm-hmm. doing this forever. That's so. right. But when they go, they're also, they're going to see family. Mm-hmm. They're going to see mm-hmm. brothers and sisters and family in Christ that are just as much a part of their church family as the folks that they live with here. Yes. I have only been a part of the Grace Church family for five years since we've lived in South Carolina but for those that I talk with who are veterans of our Nicaragua ministry, they are attached by more than just a memory of one trip. They yeah, are absolutely. attached by heart and continuing to be involved. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask, Jen, there, you said resources. So help us as listeners understand, like, what do you mean by resources? What, what, what is that? Resources that we provide for them would be 
So there are teams, uh, small teams, two or three men and women, sometimes four, who will go down and offer pastoral training to pastors across the country. They'll bring them, bring them together in one city, but they might be from villages where they don't interact a yeah. lot with others, like other peers. And so they're able to provide training in how to teach through the book of Ephesians okay. or what does it look like to lead a church. Um, one of our elders went down and talked through just church, overall church structure and leadership and what does it look like to have a vision for, for your church long term, having elders and you know just that leadership structure too. And then on the women's side, um, they're able to focus on the shame study or redeeming sexuality or biblical femininity. Those are some of the ones highlighted the most and really provide some education for women leaders who then go back to their villages and provide uh, small groups for those women. So that's been really And some topics and some uh, topics both on shame and on leadership that often Yeah, it's not common to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Redeeming sexuality, not common to talk about in their culture. Yeah. I think another piece of those resources that are missing is the theological training, it's Mm -hmm. leadership development, and then as our medical teams go, you know, one of the bigger things we carry is amoxicillin. Like, we get that for free at Publix, you know, anytime I need something filled. We're carrying that down to be able to care for individuals who maybe don't have access to clean water, don't have access to medical care, Mm -hmm. and it helps bring credibility to the churches that we're really there to serve. Mm -hmm. And so that it's not... uh, Grace Church that's here, but it's the Baptist Church of Shenandoah that's here that's trying to care for you um, and just providing some of the resources that we have an abundance of that they have less access to. Yeah, that's an that's a really really important part of our of our whole outreach philosophy with these partnerships, whether it's through CFCI, therefore the local church. I mean, we are there to lift them up, to support them, to put them out front because we come home. Even though we've been there, partnership for 20 years, we still come home, and that church is there. Those relationships are there. That pastor is there. And so that is really how you see Maximum Kingdom Impact. That's right. And so our trip that's um, going in July, it, it kind of encompasses several different aspects of what we're talking about here. Tell us a little bit about, use that trip to give us like the size, because these are fairly large trips, so there yeah. are plenty of opportunities for people to go. Tell us the different types of roles that people are going to be playing on this trip. Yeah, so about six months ago, we started promoting this trip as an option, and uh, many members applied to go, and there are 24 members going. They will join Mary Azell, and she she is there living in the country, and she will join with them for the week. Um, there are some medical professionals. There's dentists, dental hygienists, assistants. There's also a physical therapist going. Um, there's doc- medical doctors and nurses who are going. Then there's some members who want to go and just be available and serve. They don't have necessarily a medical skill, but some of them have uh, experience with children. There's several teachers going on this trip, so they're going to focus for a part of the week on Uh, offering some sessions and connecting with teachers in schools in Nicaragua and encouraging them, swapping tips, you know, just a a lot of things like that that they can offer coming from a common profession. And then there's a couple of people on the team who will focus on a children's ministry for the week Mm, that will happen. So it's a great way for, I mean, 
what other opportunity do people from that variety of professions right. and life experiences go? There's also an um, older couple going who's going to focus on providing an eye clinic where they will they will resource up to 100 people with eyeglasses that they can wear right then. That's amazing. Yeah. I have terrible vision. And when I saw the opportunity for us to provide an eye clinic with partnership with Rosani Lens Project, then that was amazing. Yeah. This might be a good time, just kind of halfway through, to take a time out and just talk about, Derek, I'll kick this over to you, just the team dynamic, the importance of team. Um, and then you mentioned working with team leaders. Maybe you can talk about just the importance of how the teams come together, the time they spend together preparing. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to talk about our trips and not think about the volunteers who are leading them. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's not me or you or Jen, Chris. It's not us who are leading it. That's it's, right. it's Wes Cavan and Jerry Fay and Stu and Mike Fizetsky. It's all of these guys who are giving weeks and months. And when you add it up, like in Nicaragua, years of their life to go and serve the churches and serve our people. And just to be clear, all those names you mentioned... Not staff. Correct. They all are volunteers. They do this because this is what God has put on their heart, mm-hmm. and they have given hundreds of hours to this ministry. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, and doing it all, I mean, out of the, just because they, they want to help and serve. Yeah. I don't think any of them walked into it either and thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush this. Right. Like every one of them walked into it saying, like, I don't know if I could do this. I'm not ready to lead a trip. Like... Shouldn't Bill or Matt or like Joey, shouldn't, shouldn't someone like that be doing this? But like they're the ones that are going and having this long-term impact when we go and celebrate 20 years. Like it's, it's Wes and the teams that he's, he's yeah. been carrying down there to, that are celebrated. Yeah. So leading up to a trip, uh, they can meet anywhere from four to six times mm-hmm. talking about uh, the things that they're going to come in contact with, poverty, we have an idea of what poverty is, what it looks like on the east side of Greenville. In TR, they might define poverty a little bit differently. In Nicaragua, they define it incredibly differently. Like the things that we say are poverty, they wouldn't. And then what does it look like to, to interact with that? What does it look like to think about race? What does it think, look like to come underneath the authority of that local church and be a representative of them versus a representative of grace? And all of that kind of culminates up to like a team building session there at the end where um, you're doing something goofy or silly and makes you feel really awkward before you get on the plane. (laughs) Yeah. And I would even mention too, like even talking to Stu the other day, I mean, he put the budget together for Israel. So, I mean, he's working. He's not just like sending out a couple emails and saying, hey, let's meet. I mean, he's got a vision for some things. So, I mean, that's work. Yeah, so that's really great. It's great to see these teams come together. Jen, I was thinking recently about a, a quote I heard. And it relates to what we want to talk about with Kenya. And it said, we grossly overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, but we also grossly underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. And so when I think about a long-term plan and I think about what we are asking some of our families to participate as we think about Kenya and one specific aspect of the ministry there being the OVC program, tell us a little bit about this kind of long-term impact that we're having um, with children and families, specifically in Kenya? Yeah, our partnership in Kenya is with the Abadir um, Church Convention, and particularly Bernard Kabaru, who leads that. So over a period of years, he was able to begin to identify children and families that 
We're suffering definitely educationally, academically, but also because of a variety of other challenges that they faced as a family, including economic, their housing, um, their family dynamics, all of that, and spiritually lacking as well. And so they have a program for orphans and vulnerable children that they identify children in their church communities and in, in schools that they work with who uh, would benefit from having an advocate come alongside them and support them over a period of years throughout their education, hopefully all the way through the end of college. Yeah. And as they do that, there are seven or eight, I, don't, I can't name them all, there's seven or eight areas of formation mm. that they focus on throughout the year. There are a couple of staff in Kenya that they have who help to lead in a, as administrators for the program, but they probably have 15 to 20 volunteers, Kenyans, mm. who uh, adults, who are mentors and um, just track with the children with their, um, their needs and help to support them throughout the year. What we're able to do is come alongside, and we have probably sev- uh, over 75 children in the program right now that Grace supports. There's two or three other churches that uh, help them with this program. So we're just one of those, but we have about 75 to 80 children that we are involved with and about 130 church Grace Church members who are advocates. To be an advocate, you commit to giving monthly or annually for a child who is elementary level, um, middle or high school level, or college level. And your financial commitment increases over the years as that child progresses through mm-hmm. school based on needs. Um, you know, someone entering college, we all know, most of us know, takes a laptop, it takes some housing, right. um, things like that. And so they their needs increase over the years. So just give us an example of some of the things that you'd be providing for, let's just say, a high school student. Yeah, so I, I think most of the schools there uh, for the children, one of the things we provide are uniforms mm. for the children, definitely um, school supplies, possibly even needs in their home. Right. There are some advocates who have provided even the funds for a family to have an outhouse or a roof or um, just some different needs like that. And then annually, every year at Christmas, we're able to provide outfits for their Christmas and a family meal for, right. for the family and shoes included. So that's all apart. And then periodically we find out about additional needs that a family or a child may have, and we go to that advocate and let them know, and they're able to join in even more. In addition to that, the more relational aspect of the program that I love, often there are a lot of ways that we could support children who are vulnerable around the world through programs, but but there is not very much relational contact with those. For our advocates, they are able to exchange letters with their children three to four times a year, the children write back all the way through college. So the, the types of letters progress over the year too, but they learn about each other's family. They swap pictures, tell about, you know, what they're learning in school and really share some of their life with us. And in return, our advocates are able to share about their life story as well and encourage them spiritually. And so that's a really unique and special part of the program. Yeah, I think uh, last year you organized an event uh, for all of our OVC families, and we got to celebrate some of the kids who have come up through the program mm-hmm. and then graduated. Mm-hmm. 
and we played a video. Um, it might have been um, Tom and Holly Vollmer from the Powdersville campus, their child. Mm-hmm. I say child, they're an adult now. Right. But they had graduated college and had just gotten a job in hotel tourism management. And wow. like that's, that's, that's a long-term commitment yeah. that our members are able to be a part of. That's and right. the families often that the children are coming from, their parents are their professions are um, agricultural and just in, in their villages doing what they can to provide income for their family. And so being able to send a child through college and give them some opportunities like this is really great. Tom and Holly have since, I mean, that child graduated and so they exited from the program. They're self-sufficient as mm. far as financially now, but um, Tom and Holly took on another child and so wow. they're just continuing in the program as well. And we have, we have a lot of advocates like that. How is our team this summer helping support some of those efforts? Yeah, the team this summer is unique. There's a team we send in the spring and in the fall that provide a medical clinic, but our summer team doesn't do that. There's 28 people going on this team. So it's one wow. of our largest that we send and a lot of parents and children, Scott, you yes. and uh, your son will be part of that team. Very excited about that. And so these 28 will be connecting with these OVC students a lot more. So they are going to be spending a day or two in manual labor, helping to build some things that families need in the OVC program. It could be that they need help with building an outhouse or building a wall or putting a roof on or painting, um, whatever they need. And then they're going to spend a couple of days providing a VBS for children and also high school students. So several are involved in um, some curriculum for that. And then they will have time just to hang out at the school and meet the OVC children probably spend some time in some family's yeah. homes as well. Very so, excited to watching yeah. my son work. That's yeah. going to be awesome. That's it. <laughs> I think this team might sleep in three or four different beds during the seven-ish days that they're in country. Wow. So that's what, it, that's what the itinerary says. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, it's great. It's, it's awesome. And uh, you did mention the medical trips. Just another quick word on that. Um, we've, we've been able to take medical trips back to existing communities. Yes. Again, um, supporting the local churches there and really trying to care for pastors as well. Because I think Robbie mentioned this on a previous um, episode that pastors have a hard time staying healthy Mm -hmm. and taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And we really recognize that the power of the local church in that community does rest a lot with, um, with the pastor and his family. And so we have some unique opportunities that we've taken to, to care for those pastors physically. Yeah. And so, um, also, there was a pastor that we cared for, you know, in that way and supported over a period of years. But I believe he passed away in 2020. Mm-hmm. I think that was the year. He passed away during the COVID time period, and um, one of his, his children are part of the ABC program right. now too. So it's just holistically helping to support them, however. Yeah. They need. Again, yeah. church, church family halfway yeah. across the world. Yeah. So, um, well, let's finish up talking about Israel, a fairly new partnership. Derek, what's going on there? Yeah, there in Israel, we work with uh, an association of Baptist churches that are all located throughout the Nazareth region. Um, and so a little bit of Israel, Israeli history, uh, Palestine occupied this piece of Israel um, up until really the late 60s, and then Israel takes control of that land back. Some of those individuals decided to stay there. They got misplaced from their homes, and then those people are really on the, the outside of society. They're not Jewish. Uh, they are not uh, 
Israeli, they would consider themselves Palestinians, and then because they're Christian, they would be um, a minority of a minority of a minority. And so every law that's written, every uh, societal norm, it's it's set up so that they don't succeed. Mm-hmm. And then these are the groups of believers that we're really trying to come alongside and encourage. So there's around 10 to 12 Baptist churches there that uh, we're coming along and, and trying to support. Bedare is there uh, kind of heading up the Association of Baptist Churches and uh, this summer, uh, we're going to be going there to help out with a vacation Bible school. So this is one of our first trips where we're going to be hands-on. And we have two of those trip participants with us today, yeah. Chris and Jen. Yeah. And so you want to talk a little bit about that trip? <clears throat> so we are taking a team of about 10 people over. There is a small church in a small community north of Nazareth mm. who, for the past 10 years, has been hosting a VBS When they first started out, I think they said, hey, let's try this. Mm -hmm. And they had about 25 children involved for the week uh, for VBS. Now they have over 100, and the community continues to ask for them to provide this week of VBS. Now some of the children will come from the church, so they will be from a Christian family. Some will be from nominal Christian families. It's a bit like here that in that environment— your family might be Christian, but whether you follow Jesus right. um, wholeheartedly or not, still left to be determined. And then uh, there will be a few Muslim children from Muslim families, and so we are very interested in that. Out of our team, um, I might be the only one that's been to Israel before, and we have a few on our team, I think, that haven't been out of the country yet. So this will be quite an experience. And you asked about just the life of a team. I think when you go on a mission— trip with one another, maybe even different than vacationing, because on a vacation, I always have expectations, and I have kind of my sense of entitlement, and sometimes that is highlighted, and I address it, and but a lot of times not. A lot of times, we're in places where we just can continue to get things to happen our way, Right. but when we're on a mission trip, and we are subject to the team leader and their direction, and then our partners, once we get there, we always want to serve, um, I think you commented on this, but serve under them, Mm -hmm. then the need for flexibility, the need for not being in control, recognizing that, and then our ministry is not just to the people we're going to, but it starts with our team. And so just being able to care for one another is really significant. There are always people who struggle more than some with culture or with how their body adjusts or the jet lag, all of that. And so just being able to support one another and carry each other's burdens a little bit is really significant. Also, things come out when we get squeezed through the stresses of sometimes it happens in country and in a location. Sometimes it's in the airport, often in the airport. And a lot of times we can have a team that just has a phenomenal experience and then their flight home gets canceled, and then it's squeeze time. <laughs> it's meltdown, and so meltdown when time. You, when you get squeezed, something's going to come out, and sometimes what comes out is good to address, and sometimes what comes out is what you've been pouring in, Right. you know, good things. So, um, so I think that's the unique way that God works when we step out from what we are comfortable with and our conveniences, and we go to, um, to another place subject nice. to yeah. other, other leaders. So I think that's what I anticipate happening a lot with this trip. 
It really takes like our little world of a snow globe and just kind of thumps it a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm great at making sure that I'm comfortable. You know, if I've had a stressful day, I'm able to, to go get a cheeseburger on the way home. I'm able to go get Starbucks. Um, I'm able to just kind of numb whatever stressed me out throughout that day. When I go on a trip, like all those things are taken away. Like I, yeah. And then the goal of that would be, okay, I go, how am I going to handle this stressful, this, mm-hmm. an, this yeah. anxiety, this yeah. discomfort? Like, hopefully I'm learning to turn to Jesus in that. And yeah. like, hopefully I'm learning that now, day to day, mm-hmm. you know, on the mm-hmm. east side of Greenville, but also mm-hmm. that could be a piece of why we go yeah. uh, on the trips. Yeah. Chris, what are you excited about? Well, I mean, I think the the thing that I'm most excited, I'm really excited for Stu, to be honest. I know Stu isn't able to go on this trip. He's our lead for, Stu Lenning is our lead for Israel. But, I mean, he's been dreaming about mm-hmm. this type of trip for a long time. Most times people go to Israel for consumption of content, the Bible, which, I mean, is awesome. We're going to get to do some of that. But this is the first time that, we're doing something where we're serving a congregation there. Uh, there's a woman who has a field. Uh, they don't. This church that we're going to go do this VBS doesn't have a building. They don't actually have a church building. Okay, so we have a building. We get to go sit in a comfortable, air-conditioned, air-conditioned church and yeah. listen to God's Word, yeah. and they don't have that. And so this woman, after the first year, was very encouraged um, by what this VBS did, what they were able to do. And so she said, hey, you can use my field next year. And so, I mean... That is just the little things of just going there and doing something outside in the heat. We're going to be uh, working. It's not like we're going on tours all day. And so I think that's what I'm excited. I'm excited for Stu because he's been praying about this for a long time. But I'm also excited for our team and that we're going to do something that we've not ever done before. It's not like we're just going to be showing up at this field and say, talking English to people and saying, hey, what do you want us to do? Like We're there to serve them. And who knows what could happen? You know, It's like we get there and... Every, this has been kind of interesting to watch Stu like put the schedule together because then we put it in front of Bader and he's like, okay, all that's changed, you know? And it's like, <laughs> we might need to do this. And so there's lots and lots of flexibility. And so I'm excited for that for, you know, my family and the rest of us that are going to be able to experience that because that's ministry. Ministry is so messy and it's so challenging sometimes and it's not on our time. It's on God's time. So we got to learn how to submit and, and, Surrender, and this is just a real hyper awesome opportunity to be able to do that. So I'm looking forward to that part. Yeah, and just a personal reflection, thinking about how these partnerships grow and develop over time. Uh, I'm excited to go back to Kenya. It's been 15 years mm-hmm. since, since I've been there on one of the earliest trips that felt a lot like some of these exploratory mm-hmm. Israel trips, where we just weren't exactly sure what we were doing weren't exactly sure the needs, weren't exactly sure what our contribution was and what the partnership looked like. And we would just go over and we would spend time building the relationship and just praying and seeking what what that could be like. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Nicaragua. We went, one of our first trips, we went, we taught, we saw what material landed, what didn't. We went to a seminary there and taught. And now to see how that's evolved to where we are uh, taking these smaller teams out into the communities in these regional outposts to train these local pastors. I mean, it's just been great to watch from my perspective over that 10, 15 year, 20 year development of relational partnership. Mm-hmm. And so just thinking about Israel being on the Lord willing on the front end of that, 
We've also got some other things we're not talking about today, but we've got some other European possibility with Germany and France. And just being open to what God wants to do. Mm-hmm. Not running ahead, but wanting to be open and then just seeing how he, he leads us. That's really why we were excited to share some of these updates for the summer. And hopefully it's an encouragement for, for you. You're sitting there, you're listening, you're driving, you're like, I am missing out. Mm-hmm. I would hope that you would feel that way. Mm-hmm. Because there are plenty of ways that you can get involved, mm-hmm. both by going, by supporting financially, by praying, and just even knowing what is happening Uh, Hopefully that stirs your heart to think about God in a different way and think about your fellow man and woman around the world as brothers and sisters in Christ in a different way. And if any of that's been accomplished over this last 45 minutes, then it's definitely been worth the time we've spent here. No, that's great. That's great. Well, guys, thank you very much for being here. Uh, I'm encouraged, and I hope uh, as you were listening, you can find a way to get plugged in. There's plenty of ways for you to do that. Um, We'll provide a website for our outreach team in the show notes. But is there anything else you guys want to say as we close? I would say we have one more trip coming up for 2023 that we'll start promoting very soon, and it's to Puerto Rico. So if you've been listening and are interested, um, it's a great opportunity to go and serve with a team. And then when I think about my experience as a follower of Jesus and I think about Acts Mm 1-8, you'll be empowered by the Spirit and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I I think it's great to imagine how can you have an experience in each of those and be connected somehow to what is happening here in the upstate, maybe somewhere else just a little bit away, Um, like you'll have some other opportunities to hear about Allendale or things that might be happening in the U.S. cross-culturally, and then out of the borders is nice to think about. So I'd love to see your name come across my computer screen when you apply. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I got a parting word. Yeah. Don't let your passport expire. Do not <laughs> let your passport expire. Yes, this is a good thing. If you ever have thought, if you even have a thought that go, you want to go on one of these trips, go, go get do it. your go passport, passport today. Because yeah. you will be surprised if somebody just randomly calls you and says, hey, you want to go to Israel tomorrow? Yeah. Go get your passport. <laughs> yeah. And if you if you have one, check it. And That's don't right. let it expire. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Anything you want to add, Derek? No, I think in all of these trips, like yeah. the the win, it's not just for our partner. It's not just for Grace. Like the the, the overall winner is like the the big C church. Yeah, like the, mm-hmm. the things that happen in your own life as you go, the the lives that are changed there in country. All of it is just amazing to be a part of. And I think one more thing that is always important to keep in mind is that to continue to be praying for our partners, to be praying for the trips, whether they've just happened, they're about to happen, or they're wrapping up. Um, that's a, just such an important piece of what we want to do and accomplish. Be praying for our partners and the work that's being done. Oh, that's great. Well, guys, thanks for being here today. We we're really grateful. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Yeah. See you, Chris. Yep. Well, as we wrap up today's conversation, we want to thank you for joining us. You know, we realize that listening to a podcast episode, it can be an individual experience, which we believe is only enhanced by talking through it and applying it to life. And this is something that we believe lots of people don't naturally seek out or they built into their lives. So we want to encourage you to share this episode with someone else and ask them, man, any takeaway that they might have received from listening. And I would encourage you to be prepared to do the same and approach their feedback with a posture to learn and apply. This is a great way to move towards this opportunity uh, within outreach. So if you have any questions or want access to additional resources, be sure to check out our podcast page located in the show notes. Thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to joining you on the next episode.